Hello, you are listening to Basically, and I am your host, Stephanie Preisner. On this week's episode, okay, I don't know about you, but I hate anything to do with money. I don't understand it. I don't understand mortgages. I don't understand pensions. I hate even checking my online banking because I'm always afraid that there's going to be some sort of fraud or something, some issue that I have to deal with. And it makes me scared and overwhelmed and I just want to put my fingers in my ears and be like la 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 la. So then one of the things that I did was I started watching that TV show How to Be Good with Money and that's hosted by Owen McGee and he helps people to like meet their financial goals. So I thought what a great person to have on the show. Also when I did the mailbag episode loads of you messaged me on Instagram and were like will you do an episode explaining pensions and what they are and so I took those questions, pensions, taxes, COVID payments, and I put them to Owen McGee in this episode. Uh, For those of you who don't know, he's a personal finance genius and he has a financial advisory company and he's great. And he also has a book, which uh, he'll talk about in this episode. So if you want to know about taxes, COVID refunds, pandemic unemployment payment, pensions, mortgages, first-time buyer schemes, He is the guy to listen to, and we're going to talk to him now. Oh, and I don't even know where to start. How, like, this last... So I've always not really understood stocks and shares and money. But now, with COVID and the pop which is the pandemic unemployment payment and the wage subsidy scheme. I'm getting so many questions from people who are panicked about it's knock on effects in terms of tax, in terms of mortgages. Can you just explain money? Just like that. No <laughs> just problem. like that. And and also mortgages and tax and pensions. Thank okay. you. Okay. Just I'll run away with this one now. I know you have I, a book and we'll read that too, but if you could just give us the cliff's notes. Okay, give us the, I'll give you the notes. The reality is, is that we're in a very, very unusual, complicated time from a financial perspective. But guess what? This actually happens every three to five years. When you're doing this, what I'm doing uh, all the time, and I've been doing it for 20 plus years now, there is a cycle there. It just happens. But we don't know that's going to be COVID. We don't know what it's going to be, but we have big financial disasters on average every one? three to five years. It's funny you say that because we haven't had one for 10 years. Yeah, so you're lying. Well, yeah, <laughs> I'm lying. I'm talking about, I'm taking 150 years of data and then given the average of three to five years. Right. Okay. We did have a little bit of a blip in 2015. I can't even remember what caused it now, but kind of 2015. And People thought back and it's oh maybe that was just a, a small or big one. And was it, it when Trump got elected in twenty sixteen. Yeah, and Brexit had a bit of an impact as well, and there was kind of other things that going on. And like I remember actually, sorry, just talking about Trump and Brexit at the same time. If you had a bet at that year, if you put a euro on it, maybe it was a euro. No, it was ten euros on Trump to win, Brexit to happen, and Leicester to win the premiership that year. Your ten euros turned into thirteen thousand euros. If you put a, a, a what you call them things, I don't bet at all. Those a bet, yeah, a bet. Oh, one of those accum- accumulators, I, yeah, 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 one of them things. Yeah, Jesus, that sounds cool, doesn't it? But like things like that mess with the stock market, mess with everything that we do with our money, and ultimately they cause scares. People get scared, people get worried, people get confused, and then that's when people start to panic. So it's just that this has been so overt, where it has been so dramatic and. Uh, you know, direct that people have all been unemployed at the same time. 
but actually in terms of less in terms of virus and more in terms of finance this isn't a novel virus in it's terms not, of finances. No, in terms of finances, this isn't. We people call them market crashes. We I call them temporary declines mm-hmm. because they're temporary. They're a decline and they're temporary. But the reality is, is that this one feels much bigger for us. And the reason why it feels much bigger is because it has a p- impacted us not just financially but socially as well. And most people have been impacted financially, but socially. Like we have, if someone had said to you last December, Stephanie, you're going to spend twelve weeks at home. Every single pub in the country will be closed yes. for three months. And like throughout the whole thing, we're not going to have a government. Like all of those things combining at one time and it just feels like a once in a lifetime event. But, but from a money perspective, it's not. Okay, but for some people it is. Like for some people, this will be the first time that they've been on a social welfare payment. I, I Absolutely. And I'm not, I'm not pulling away from that at all. I'm not suggesting that that's not very hard. It is really hard. The big difference here is we're all in this together. So you think people can come back from it? Yeah, and this is probably the once in a lifetime for some people that they will be on a social welfare benefit. But the reality is, is that if people, I think the wage subsidy is a really good example of good government policy. And I'm not political in any way. So I don't the wage have, subsidy different to the unemployment payment? Yeah, there's a big difference between you going home from work one evening at the middle of March, sitting down on your couch and saying... I have to sign on tomorrow. I've never signed on before in my life and I don't know where my next pay packet's going to come from compared to, okay, my boss has sat me down. They've told me <clears throat> I'm on 70% of my wage and they've told me that they're going to try and keep the business open and they've got huge support from government to keep that business afloat. And that's what the wage subsidy did. It kept that, that was really, really important. It kept that connection between employer and employee strong. Me as an employer, like I have five people work with me in the office. If I had have had to let them go, imagine I let them go and said, look, guys, I'll be back to you once things are better. The chances of all five of them still being available to me when I'm ready to take them back on. But not only that, as an employer, you're sitting there going, oh, I have to make this big leap. I've let them down so badly before and I have to make this big leap of giving them a job again. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to support them for next two or three months. I don't know the way things are going to go. So this wage subsidy scheme was genius from that. And let's face it, the UK did it. Everybody did it. It wasn't our government who just came up with the idea, but it kept that connection between the employer and employee strong, connected. The wage is still going through every month or every week, whatever the case may be. And it was huge support from the government. And it's still there for a lot of people. What were the other, like, so was it 70%? So some people actually got up as high as 80% when the second phase of it came through. Right. So if you're on a, if you're on a lower wage, you were getting up to 80%, but 70% was about most people were getting. And so the government were paying 80% of your wage and then some employers were able to top that up so you were still getting 100%. Yes. But some were not able to and then you were 80%. And it was just the look of what company you were with. Yes. And it was, and what some people were saying was, I'm still working just as hard and I'm only on 8% of my wage or I'm only on 70% of my wage. How can this be fair? The reality is the wage subsidy scheme was there to make sure, was put in place to make sure that you still had a boss in six months' time yeah. or 12 months' time, that they survived this. And that's why it was there. The, the, your boss had to sign a declaration to say, I uh, I believe or I, I expect that my sales are going to go down by 25%. And what that means is for every 100 euros in sales that they used to get, they're now going to get less than 75 euros. Yeah. They had to sign a very quick self-declaration to say, I believe this. They didn't have to prove it, but they will in the future. Like there's okay. no chance uh, or it would be mad a revenue not to go back and check on these things. Yes. The revenue are being fair on it as well. Like the, the initial thoughts are if your boss did this and didn't need it, 
and they jumped out of it as soon as they, they saw that they didn't need it. Well, then that's kind of fair enough. But if your boss continued to use it when they knew they didn't need it, well, then they're going to go hard on them. And that's the suggestion. And does that, they, do they go hard on the boss or will the other people, will the people who received the payment? No, absolutely the boss. Okay. No, it'll be the boss. It'll, it'll be the boss who took that. He, they made the response, he or she made that, made that choice and there was no employee decision on that. So no, it'll go after the company themselves. If and they, the individual employees, do they have to pay tax on that? Yeah. So the problem, this is where the big problem came from. So imagine you're on 70% of your pay was coming from revenue and 30% of your pay slip was coming from on your of your wages was coming from your boss. So you're feeling like you're on 100% wages and let's just imagine you're on a thousand euros a month take home just to make this, the maths really simple. 700 coming from revenue, 300 coming from your boss. Some people actually found that their take home pay went up. Yeah, because now they're taking home a thousand euro yes. with no tax. The the three hundred that was coming from their boss, the thirty percent was being taxed. Okay, okay. So you might be coming this, out with eight hundred and fifty. Yes, yeah. whereas you used to come out with seven hundred and fifty or whatever the numbers might have been. And the reality is, is that the seven hundred seven hundred euros in this case, the seventy percent. Revenue said, we need to get this scheme out there really quickly. We need to just do it as quick as we can, get money into people's pockets. We'll tax it later. It is a taxable payment, but we're not going to tax it now. We'll tax it later on. And that has caused confusion for a lot of people because, as you said, there's lots of people who went into social welfare who have never been on social welfare before. People don't realise often on maternity, that's a, that's a taxable payment. They don't yeah. realise that the tax is not being collected in real time was the words that revenue used. So what that means for people is, is if 70% of your wage was coming from the tax man and there was no tax being taken on it, not only that, it kind of messed with the 30% you were getting from your boss as well because you'd more tax credits to apply to that too because they weren't all being used up anymore more in a month to month basis so it got very confusing but in very in very simple terms yeah um so it got very confusing and in very simple terms what that meant was you're now in a position where you're kind of going oh god how much tax am i going to have to pay one thing we don't know is how much you're going to earn for the entire year okay and until you know that you can't exactly say this is pinpoint exactly what you're going to have to pay is that because of tax bans yes it's because of tax bans but in really simple terms if you earn between zero and 15,000 euros, you, and I'm absolutely rounding these numbers. So okay. if a tax planners listen to that, we're going to say it's 16,800 or whatever the exact figure. But let's just keep it simple. Zero to 15,000 in total between your 70% and your 30%, you're not going to pay any tax on it. Okay. okay. Assuming you haven't given your tax credits to your partner or something, a normal tax person, zero to 15,000, zero tax. 15 to 35,000, I would say, put away 30% of the COVID payment. So 30% of the 1,000 euro or 30% of the 700? Of the 700, I would be happy with because even at 30%, we're slightly over-egging it. Okay. Right? So 30%, so for every 100 euros of COVID payment that was on your payslip, put 30 euros away. And so f- do you need to find out then how much of the wage subsidy you were on? Were you it'll on the, se- the top left-hand corner of your payslip. Okay. It'll say salary or whatever it usually says and underneath it, it'll say COVID payment. Okay. Okay. So... When you just look at how much the COVID payment was, you say, okay, 30% of that, every 100 euros I got there, I'm going to put 30 euros to one side. Now, go over 35,000 euros, anything above that, 50%. Okay, now so what's half going, of your money. Half of the money you got from the COVID payment. What's going to happen is, in January, some people are going to have too much money. And I promise, Stephanie, nobody's going to contact you or I on Instagram and say, your podcast told me to put this aside and I have too much money now in January, right? I'm promising you now you will have too much money, but it's better than the alternative. If you do nothing, by the way, let's say you're 12 weeks into this and you haven't been doing anything about this or you're 14 weeks or whatever it is. What's going to happen is come January. Revenue are going to look at everybody's earnings for the year. They're going to see how much was taxed, how much was not taxed, how much tax is due. They're going to write out to you. They're going to say, this is how much tax you owe us. Here's a tax bill. Here's a bill. And you will either 
write them a check from the 50% or 30% you put to one side or else what you'll do is, is you'll go back to revenue and revenue will just adjust your tax credits for next year and possibly even the year after. So you will pay net more tax for the next couple of years to pay the money back to them. So you don't need to panic. They will, they'll, you or is that a really bad thing? Yeah, you don't need to panic. Like it's not going to, they have said they will not cause financial hardship in the future to collect this money. That's what revenue have said. Yeah. But the reality is, is what you're doing there is, is you're borrowing from the future to pay for today. The future, your future earnings are going to be hit because you didn't put the money to one side. There are lots of people out there who are on 203 euros a week unemployment benefit who aren't getting the 350 or aren't getting 70% of their wage who would be delighted to be told we're going to give you 350 or 70% of, of your wage if you put 30% of it aside. So just remember you are one of the lucky ones if you're on it. If you haven't done it up to now and you're 12 weeks in or whatever period of time you've been getting it, it's not too late to start. Having anything come January will be better than having nothing. So it is taxable. There's no tax being taken out of it right now. There's lots of people with lots of different ideas about how it does. In simple terms, 0 to 15,000, 0%, 15 to 35,000, 30%, and over 35,000 of total earnings for the year, 50%. And you and won't have any trouble. you're out there thinking, there's no way that revenue can do, like... Revenue won't catch me because I'm just one person in Longford and they won't know because I'm going to change jobs or I'm going to whatever, whatever. Can you get away with it, revenue? I absolutely don't think you will. And I'll tell you why. First of all, there's going to be absolute appetite by revenue to get as much revenue as they can in legitimately. Yeah. And people have got, because of people like me, people have been warned about, like, warned about this. But secondly, particularly with revenue with PAYE workers, it went all online was it this year or last year? I think it was only this year they went all, it's all very, very automated now. Okay, it's so not as if that they have to get some man or woman to sit down in the office and go through everyone's PAYE work. It's very, very automated. We've got a very advanced tax system when it comes to PAYE workers. So and with the unemployment payment then, that's not taxable. It is funny enough, but you never, like as an unemployed person, you're not going to make that much money. You're never going to break that much money. But what but, if you're, un- so say you were, earn- say you were in a, Big job, let's say you were earning 50 grand a year, you were made unemployed and then you got this 350 euro a week for 12 weeks and now they hired you again. Yeah, the 350 COVID payment is absolutely taxable. Now, what you might find, and there's no question of that, that and some people said to me early on, oh, so my boss put me on 70%. I should have just went on the 350 a week. It's the same difference. Like that you're still just not being taxed in real time. They're both a taxable payment. So most people were still better off on the 70%. And what will happen, and this is where you're touching on there, Stephanie, we have no idea what your total earnings for the year are going to be. There's some people have come to me and says, I was on COVID, there's no tax being deducted but I'm actually going on maternity now and I'm going to have three or four months at the end of the year where I have no wages at all. There's three or four months of your tax credits you probably don't use and hopefully will be enough to cover the tax that was due on the COVID payment, for example. Or if you get let go entirely for the last couple of months of the year, there'll be because the tax credit system in Ireland, the way it works is we say you've got X amount of credits for the entire year and if you're paid 52 times a year, as in once a week, we divide them by 52 and we assume you work equally every year, every week or we mm-hmm. divide them by 12 and assume you work equally every month. If you take a break for a month or you're out of work for a month, oftentimes those tax credits go unused and you need to go back and claim them later on. So you need to go back and say, sorry, Mr. Taxman, we, I worked for nine of the 12 months, but my tax credits were divided by 12. So there's three months of tax credits I haven't used here. And okay. people often get confused. about What is a tax credit? Effectively, what it is, is that um, the, the government work out at the end of the year, you owe us a thousand euros in tax, but your tax credits are 200 euros. So in other words, we're giving you a credit like 
like like credit on your phone. It's like yeah. 200 euros credit. So you've got, you owe us a thousand, but you've got 200 euros of credits. Therefore, you only owe us 800. Right. And that's okay. what the tax credits are. And if you think about it, if your tax credits in simple terms were 240 for the year, that's 20 euros a month. If you don't work for three months a year. There's 60 euros of unused tax credits that you need to go and tell revenue you've used. But, you, so if you, you're on the unemployment payment, you're not... It's you have tax credits because you're not working. Yes, you're not using up your tax credits that you would ordinarily use in an ordinary month. But if you're on the wage subsidy, you are using your tax credits because you're working. You are using your tax credits, but you could still not be using them all. Because you might be working three days or... Yeah, and you might, the 30% mightn't be using up all of the allowances and credits that you have. So, so how would you find that out? That's where you have to wait till the end of the year and say 0 to 15,000, 15 to 35 and over 35,000. And that's where the general rule of thumb comes back to. Why are the credits connected to how much you earn? Absolutely. So that's where your that's where your fifteen thousand usually and it's slightly more than that. It's kind of six. I think it's sixteen eight. Let someone text in and tell us or or, yeah. or, or tweet. Uh, or it's whatever. not Kira Kelly. They're not going to be texting. <laughs> this isn't live. <laughs> Go on. Well, let someone correct me. But I think it's sixteen thousand eight hundred is the actual amount of money you start is where you start having to pay tax because your okay. tax credits are all used up and your allowances are all used up and so on and so forth. So it's around that figure, but it's just much easier to tell people when you're talking to people on Instagram all day and they're asking questions. Fifteen. In and much easier. Yeah. yeah, it's a much easier number to use. Um, and so then I have other like, so if you're not accruing tax credits, like, are you? People have questions about annual leave and. Yeah, and some of these then venture into the legal side of things. So when you're when you're out on these payments, for first of all, to be the most important thing for people to realise is PRSI and your PRSI contributions. It's as if you never left work at all. Okay. So your PRSI contributions are absolutely protected whether you're on the payment or you're not on the payment. Is that you're to in do work. with a pension? That's got to do with maternity benefits and thing like, things okay. like that. And oftentimes if you get sick this year and you need to get some type of sickness benefit from social welfare, what they do is they go back two years to see what your social welfare benef- payments were two years ago. So if you're going to be sick in two years' time, you want to make sure that this year's is protected. And, and do... Do freelancers or like I'm a freelancer? Do I pay PRSI? You do pay PRSI. Now there's two. There's a couple of different classes of PRSI. Okay. There was a case a couple of years ago where someone who was self-employed, who actually I think they went on hunger strike because they were self-employed and they weren't. They were paying PRSI not at the same level as everybody as PAYE workers were, but weren't they weren't entitled to any social welfare benefits because they were out sick. Okay. And the legislation changed. Um, the last government, we call it the last government now. Yeah. The last yeah. government, the the Fine Gael government, they did try to equalise self-employed and employed people from okay. a social welfare and tax benefits and everything. They tried to bring the two of them in line with each other as much as they could and they'd made a lot of progress to that. So some of the benefits are different from a social welfare perspective. The thing for everybody to remember though is social welfare existed before COVID and it will exist after COVID. And where you are in financial hardship, you go to your local interio office and you explain your case and if you are in financial hardship, they will recognise that and they will come up with some type of social welfare benefit that you're entitled to because that's what social welfare is for. People think that PRSI is tax. It's not. It's pay-related social insurance. So you pay it so that you can get it back when you need it. Yes. And even down to things like one of the things people often don't realise is, and you sometimes see this, right? Say you've got a couple who are madly in love and are together for 10 years and one of them gets terminally ill. Do you often hear that they get married? Now, that's, I'm absolutely sure that's because they're madly in love with each other. But it also means that because they've been paying PRSI, when that person dies, their widower, widower, will be entitled to a widow's pension, mm-hmm. which is around €1,000 a month because of the PRSI contributions they've been paying. So it, I'm sure it's love, but it might be money as well. That is the reason why they get married. Right. But there's lots of social welfare benefits that people aren't aware of. But the big one and the catch all is 
if you're in real financial hardship, go talk to your interview office and they will be able to find something. And this is the catch-all for everybody who's caught in this situation at the moment. And everybody's circumstances are different. You can accumulate um, holidays. People often talk about my break in service if I'm on temporary, if I'm temporarily laid off. There yeah. were some real changes around legislation. I don't want to get too caught on the legal side, but there were some real changes around legislation around the idea of um, when you can claim redundancy. It used to be if you were temporarily laid off for four weeks, you could then jump in and request redundancy. They said during the pandemic that can't happen because employers were very worried that have people temporarily laid off and they get a whole pile of people coming at them. Yeah. But overall, wage subsidy has been a, 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 a tremendous success, in my opinion, because it has kept the connection between the employer and the employee there. There are some issues with tax, but you know what? You go, hopefully, most people got their wages or as much of them as they could possibly get or their employer could afford to give them. And it has worked very well because a lot of people have been saved that trauma. And it is trauma of sitting at home going, I'm not sure when I'm going to get paid again. Like you're yeah. a freelancer. You know when a job finishes and you're kind of going, next? what is like, next? And yeah. how does that feel? And there's a difference for you and and even for me, and I've, I'm in a slightly different situation than you are, but there's a difference for both of us when it comes to a situation like that because we feel we have control over it. Yeah. The biggest thing people feel when they get let go with no sign of a job again is everything's been taken away from them and they've no control over their financial future. And that's a really, really hard thing to fathom and to accept. And in this situation, it was great because people were all in it together. People were all on this wage subsidy or the COVID. And you payment. did feel kind of protected by the government, at least that at least concert that they had some sort of concern and that they had you with the the full time. So now they're starting to reduce the pandemic unemployment payment for part time workers or people mm. who are on under two hundred euro. If you're self employed, how do you? How are they going to know? if you were part-time or full-time or how many hours you were It's worked. got to do with your wage that you've been putting through on your tax returns for the last couple of years. And right, in okay. fact, it's also got to do with what you were... There was a 12-week period where they assessed and said, what was your earnings during that 12-week period? And that's where they're working it out, whether you were part-time. It's not really whether you were working part-time or working full-time, it was how much were you earning? And there was a situation, and I'm going to be honest with you, right? There were people who were earning 80 quid a week and all of a sudden jumped to 350. Yeah. Because they went onto this. Now, I don't care what anyone thinks. That's wrong. Yeah. Right? And I mightn't be the most popular with some, particularly students and people out there for saying that, but it is wrong. And what I have said to people, anybody has come near me on Instagram in particular and asked me the question, uh, what do I do with the money? That's not a pay rise, guys. That, I would be shocked if they don't come back looking for it at some stage. Yeah. But what I would suggest you do is, is take the extra money, put it to one side. And if nobody comes looking for it in the next two years, go on holidays in two years' time with it. Yeah. Don't go spending it now. Don't get used to it. Don't do anything else with it. And I think the only people in society who would think it would be wrong to chase those people to get that money back would be the people who got it. Yeah. I, I can't see anybody else being able to justify saying, ah, no, it was good at them. We were in the middle of a global pandemic. We were on our knees financially. And um, little Johnny and little Mary got a pay rise from 80 quid a week to 350 quid a week. And you know what's awful about that? But the horrible thing is, is if you have Johnny and Mary and their twins and Johnny's boss decides to lay him off and get him to sit on his couch playing the PlayStation for the next three weeks or three he months. He gets 350. He gets 350. And Mary works in a chemist and was needed by society and stays on her 80 quid a week. Like, that's just that's not, not fair. fair. Yeah. And I do think revenue are going to look for ways to get money back from wherever they can. Um, one thing I will say to you about this global crisis is, if you think about 2008, and I'm thinking on a macro level here, Stephanie, in 2008, that was a global financial crisis. Yeah. Banks didn't trust banks anymore. 
So it took a long time for that trust to rebuild again, mm-hmm. that they would be willing to share money or lend money to each other because they, the trust was gone completely. Do you this think this is, is different? This is totally different. This is a medical crisis and taking the humanity out of it, and I'm not a doctor, right, but taking the humanity out of it. And yes, people have died and that makes it, it, makes it a, a much more horrific. But the reality is, is we will get a medical crisis or medical solution for this crisis at some point. And when we do, from a macro level, all the big companies, all the banks are ready to lend again. Everything is going well again. It's the, the, how quickly we recover financially from this is based on how we got through it individuals, as individuals, from a micro level. So the fact that we didn't sit in our couch going, I don't know when I'm getting paid again, and we still had confidence in our employers and we were still getting our wages in once a week and our government support us, supported us means that hopefully we go back to work. And when we're back working fully and back on wages again, we spend. And that's what's But does required. it not mean that like, obviously some businesses won't come back, but also that like, we have to pay back that money. Like Johnny and Mary got that money and now we're going to have to pay it back yeah, and we're we, going to have to go back into austerity. You know? We will, but you know what it is? The, the, the reality is, is that we are good as a country. 2008, 2009, 2010, we were one of the worst hit countries in the entire world and we really proved ourselves that we stand over our debts and we pay them back as yeah. a government. And therefore, people have confidence in us to give us money. Money is very, very cheap at the moment. The Europe, European Central Bank has said, we will print you off whatever money you need, guys. Just take it. The Germans are borrowing more money than anybody else is right now because they're using the money to pump it into their into their economy and make it work for them and to get people back at work. There, It's not unusual. Like you could see something like happening. I think it was in 16 or 17, the UK paid back a hundred year bond yeah. for the war. And they paid it back. They had a bond over a hundred years. Over years. And that that type of thing just means that the money becomes insignificant in terms of the repayment. But we are good boys as a country. We borrow money and we pay it back and people know that. It's very and that cheap. Stands and, to us. and that stands to us. And that's why I think that this recovery will be hopefully quicker provided at a micro level, provided the you and I go back out, back into society, back spending Spend money, money and get the economy going again. I want to talk to you for a second about UX design. UX means user experience. It's about how it feels to use an app or a website. So when you use an app, if it's got good UX design, you're not even going to notice it. But have you ever used an app that is just incredibly difficult to use and it's just so frustrating? That's poor UX design. And the UX designer is like the architect of the website or the app development. It's their job to plan every single part of the experience to make sure that someone who uses it finds it seamless and fun and easy to navigate. UX design is an exciting, creative and fun job that's actually really in demand at the moment. The UX Design Institute offers unique university credit rated online courses in UX. It's a professional diploma and it's internationally recognised. If you'd like to learn more about UX or you're thinking of changing careers or you just want to get into that sort of design, visit uxdesigninstitute.com forward slash basically. Um, I have some questions from my followers. Can I do like a quick fire round? Of course you can. Now probably they might not have quick answers to them. So um, does your pension carry over if you have one for two years in one job and 10 years in another? 
Yes, and there's two years is a very interesting um, time frame because some pensions, when you when you leave within two years, the employer takes their contribution back. When you go over two years, you will keep the employer's contribution and it will carry over. Is the answer is yes. How do you claim tax back? How do you file a tax return? And why do we need to do it if we're on PAYE? This is something actually, why do you need to do it? This is something I was going to touch on a minute ago. This is a great question. People who are PAYE workers, so you and I are self-employed, we do our tax returns every year and we're used to it. People who are PAYE workers have their tax deducted at source and they don't have. They think they don't have to worry about it. You do it because sometimes you take a month off and your tax credits weren't used up properly. Sometimes you're between jobs and your tax credits didn't transfer over properly. Sometimes you have things like the consultant's bill for having a baby and you didn't claim all of your medical expenses last year. The people, the PAYE workers who do a tax return, and I'm talking about in general here, do yeah. a tax return, will get a refund of between 800 and 1200 euros of tax. But most people don't bother. The one big one for this year is actually your boss can give you three euros and 20 cent a day for every day that you work home tax free as a working from home allowance. Three euros and 20 cent. If your boss decides not to do that, you can at the end of the year do a tax return and put in, you can put in your, your light and heat and broadband and any of your expenses that you got hit with for working from home. In general, what revenue have kind of come back and said is if you're claiming up to 10% of the bills, we're not going to question it. Well, I, I didn't put words in their mouth, but they're, they don't seem to be questioned at 10%. Go beyond 10% and there might be questions asked as to how come 70% of your light and heat is associated with your little office at the back of the house. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the reason why you would do a PAY, as a PAY week, PAYE worker is so you can claim your medical, your tax credits are being applied properly, all the allowances that you're entitled to and people who do will get between 800 and 1200 euros refund. That's not nothing like. Nope. Um, okay. Um, these quick fire are going well, aren't these they? These are quick fire. <laughs> if you're a first time buyer but your partner is not, can you apply for the Rebuilding Ireland scheme? No. Okay. I'm in my mid-30s now. What should I be doing financially to prepare for financial security? You should be saving somewhere between well, what I would say is to save 10% of your wage and you'll be covering off emergencies. 15% you start to get ahead and 20% or more of your wages and you will start to create real wealth. It's never too late to start. Why are first time, oh no, sorry, I was going to say, why are first time buyer grants only for new bills? It's unfair on country people because that's just part yeah. of this. Well, rebuilding Ireland, interestingly enough, can be for a self-build. Right. People okay. don't realise often, often don't realise. What's the best option for self-employed 36-year-old for pension married to a teacher? Um, you should be putting money into your own pension even though the teacher's pension is probably quite good um, depending on when they went into it they're all good the teachers any of the public sector ones are good it just depends on relative to each other just start is the thing I would say put in as much as you possibly can afford but remember the money has gone till you're retired I have a mortgage of 150,000 house value pre-COVID 250,000 to build on credit union or bank should I use a credit union or a bank I would it depends the bank uh, this question comes down to rate we need to start treating the credit unions like we would any other bank sometimes it feels nicer to do business with the credit union and it is nicer because they just have a different attitude and they're there for the members but it comes down to rate who is going to be more expensive for you because this is a mortgage it's a lot of money um, can you use a gifted site as part of your mortgage deposit? Yes, you can. And it basically, at the end of it all, it'll be the value of the mortgage as a percentage of the value of the completed house is what's the important thing. Um, it, after you have your mortgage, what percentage of your salary should be put away or saved in general? Used, I used to save non-stop everything, but now I need to know how much to save. So we would always have a 35% rule. And when I say we, I mean financial planners everywhere. 35% of your wages is the maximum that you can commit to anything, as in mortgages or rent. Some people in, in Dublin in particular, in Galway and Cork and, and, and around the country, would be paying 50-55% of their take-home pay out on rent. And they are absolutely crucified and they're never getting ahead. And they're abs it's, it's not going to be sustainable long term. That person, if they're paying out 20% of their wage, 
wages on mortgage should be putting at least another 15% away for savings. Ideally, you just put as much as you weigh as you can, provided you're enjoying today as well. You can't like look after later and having a crap day today. Yeah. If you receive a lump sum of money from a will, say 50,000, is it better to invest it in stocks and bonds or put it in a pension fund? Well, you see, this is an interesting question. You put that into a pension fund and let's say it's on your higher rate of tax. Um, and you're pay, you pay tax at a higher rate and let's assume you can get it all in, you're go, it's going to cost you €30,000 to put that €50,000 in um, after the tax relief is taken into account because you're going to get a big chunk of tax back. So if you're allowed to put it in all in one go and you might have to spread it over a couple of years, you put €50,000 in and you'll get €20,000 of a tax rebate. That's the first thing. Then you take the pension and you invest it in stocks and bonds. Like people think... What do you mean how... How? So in, in simple terms, right, when you put money into a pension, assuming we're on the higher rate of tax, let's say you have a thousand euros today and actually PAYE workers, which is what we've been talking about, self-employed should be used to this, but PAYE, it's the same for self-employed by the way the maths is. Let's imagine you're sitting here today and you're listening to this podcast and you say, I could put money into a pension. You can still put a pension in for 2019, for last year. Okay. Okay. And you can do that provided as a PAYE worker you haven't done your tax return yet okay. for 2019. And you can do that up until November this year. You can still do your tax return and get your 800 to 1200 euros back, right? Okay. When, if, if that's the average, by the way, if you put 1000 euros into pension for last year and you paid tax at the higher rate of tax, la- higher rate at 40% last year, for every 1000 euros you put into your pension for last year, you'll get 400 euros back in tax. That's how it works. So effectively, it costs you 600 euros to put 1,000 euros into your pension. And for the big advantage for PAYE worker doing it for last year is, is they have already paid that tax. So when they do it, I had a situation where a client of mine put 10,000 euros into a pension. That's what they were able to put in, which meant they were getting 4,000 euros back. They gave me the check and the application form for the pension. I put it into the pension provider the same day they did their return to revenue. They did their tax return to revenue. They got the 4,000 euros back from revenue before the pension company had cashed their check for 10,000 euros for the pension contribution. That's Now, as a self-employed person... So then you take that 4,000 euro and yeah. you put it into bo- st- stocks and bonds. Stocks and, well, it's not all. You put the full 10,000 euros that went into your pension into stocks and bonds. People think it's stocks and bonds or it's pension. It's not. It's stocks and bonds outside pension or it's stocks and bonds inside pension. It's the same thing. Self-employed people might be a bit confused by that because what happens with them is is they're... they're, But say this person isn't self-employed. Say they're not self-employed in terms of... And I'm not talking... I'm talking about the tax rebate thing of 400 euros or 4,000 euros. Self-employed people had a tax bill of 10,000 euros. They put 10,000 euros into their pension and then their accountant says, oh, you have to pension. You only owe the tax man 6,000 euros. So it doesn't feel as nice... Right, okay. Do you know what I mean? It reduced it by 4,000. It's still the same effect. It's still, you're handing it's, it's the still, money. You're still costing you 6,000 euros to put 10,000 euros into your pension. So you think invest in a pension and then... Stocks and bonds. The big advantage to doing a true pension is, is when the stocks and bonds grow in value, you don't pay tax on the growth. You don't pay tax on any dividends. It's a much more tax efficient place to do the investment. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, okay, uh, I think I've got two more. Um, how to set up a pension and when should you start? Get yourself a good financial planner. That's the, the Do you know any? <laughs> <laughs> What's your email address? <laughs> That's my email address. Find me on Instagram. It'd be, be, be easier. Owen McGee. <laughs> yeah, Owen McGee. No, I, I, people who have a financial planner have two and a half times the net worth of people who don't when they retire. That's And that is because maybe they had a bit of net worth to start with, but the financial planner makes them on a year-to-year basis look at what they're doing. The amount of people who come to me as a new client and say, oh yeah, how much are you putting into your pension? I don't put a thousand euros a month. I'm making the number up, obviously, right? A thousand euros a month into your pension. Why are you putting a thousand euros? It's just what I started with. When did you start that? Ten years ago. 
Right. And you're going, okay, so do you think a thousand euros today is worth the same as what it is? And they just, they started, oh yeah, pension box tick, done. A financial planner says, come on, let's move that up to 1100. Let's move that up to 12. And it just keeps you in line with where you're at. There was a brilliant piece of psychological, um, behavioral economics, psychology stuff done. And one of the things that they found in, in, the, in the research was people are slow to say, um, I commit some of their current money to pensions or savings. But when you ask people to say, Every pay rise you get from now on, all of that pay rise goes into your pension. Are you happy to do that? 80% of people will sign up to that. They say, oh yeah, future money that I haven't got used to dealing with yet. I've never got used to, my lifestyle has never creeped into using it all. I'm happy to commit that to my pension. And that's what a financial planner does. So that figure again is two and a half times the net worth of people who don't. Okay. Financial planner, a good one, is worth the fees, worth whatever it is, provided they keep you on the straight and narrow. Get yourself a good financial planner. Okay, this is the final question. Um, I, sorry, if I need to use money that is for saving for a deposit, is it better to withdraw from my savings account or to not save slash save less and use it from my paycheck that month? No, save, 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 regularly save, keep the savings amount, ideally on the same time of the month, the same amount each month. I have no problem if someone's saving a thousand euros a month for a mortgage, let's say, right? Yeah. And they then, towards the end of the month, throw an extra 300 quid at it. Fine. But I want to see the 1,000 euros a month going in religiously every single time. I don't want to say, oh, 500 came out. I only put 500 in that month. I want to see a consistent 1,000 euros a month. If you then come along and say, oh, yeah, I was still miles away from buying my house or whatever it is. And in July, I took 2,000 euros out of my savings. That's fine because the bank looks at that and says, you know what? They're not going to do it next year if they haven't got the money for the mortgage because I can see that this person has been consistent the whole way through, has always saved their thousand euros. One of the big questions that people often ask me is, how much should I be saving if I'm looking for a mortgage? Mm -hmm. You need to get onto a mortgage calculator and just Google mortgage calculator. It doesn't matter if it's in dollars or anything. The numbers are still the same, right? Mortgage calculator and find out the house that you want to buy or the apartment you want to buy, how much of the mortgage repayment is going to be on that? And let's imagine again, let's use this 1,000 euros. Imagine the mortgage repayments are 1,000 euros a month. You need to save 1,300 euros a month, 1.3 times whatever the mortgage is going to be. To show them that you can pay that show back them. and still have a life. Yeah, what you're actually showing them is, is not they, they're not really worried about your life. They have other calculations that work, worry mm-hmm. about your life, right? But what they're looking at there is, is you can afford the 1,000, but if interest rates go up, you'll still be able to afford it at 1,300, Yeah. right? Okay. So they want to see that. Now, people go, I can't save, sure, I'm paying rent. If you're paying rent of 800. They take that into account. Take that they? in, that comes off the 1,300. Right. So you pay, you save 500, you do your rent of 800. Okay. So it's really important. Now, th- sometimes people, and there was a question there a minute ago, it was about rebuilding Ireland, but sometimes people look for these things called exceptions when they're going for a mortgage. An exception is, um, I don't have a 10%, I, I, need, I don't have 20%, I'm a second time buyer, I don't have a 20% deposit, will you give me First time buyers. Yeah, first time buyer status type of thing and let me borrow 90% and I only need a 10% deposit. That's an exception. Some banks were pushing right up to, we will give you an exception provided you're saving 1.6 times what the mortgage amount is. Right. Now, it depends on where that bank is at the time, but that would mean a thousand euros mortgage repayment. You want to prove to them that you have an ability to repay 1,600 euros a month month before they consider you for an exception. So I would always have said 1.3 times but I was shocked at the 1.6 times. I, that's really making it difficult for people. To be honest, that's more or less a bank saying, we just don't have exceptions to give out and they're just yeah. turning it off completely. So 
really get your get you really need to be shown this for kind of 12 or 24 months ideally to show consistently every month I've been doing it but you know what at Christmas sometimes I take a few quid out of it at, in July or August for holidays I take money out of it and I won't do that anymore don't go mad don't be throwing it in and taking it out mm-hmm. once maybe twice a year is acceptable set up a pattern that they can definitely see and it really and you know what it's really nice when you see it in your current accounts mortgage savings or yes. de- deposit for house savings and it just really stands out Put bloody asterisks beside it and everything. You have much more control over what your bank statements look like. Make it really simple for them to see it. And it'll just, it'll stand to you. It just makes their life an awful lot easier. Okay. Can we get you back in when, when, when the tax year ends and all this COVID stuff is coming back up? Because I know people are going to be freaking out about it. Yeah, of course we can go back in. And and the thing about it is, is that people shouldn't be freaked out about it. Revenue have already said they're not going to chase people. They're not going to put people into financial hardship for this, but just be prepared. And you're not going to be paying for this for a very long time. Like some people will be prepared for it. And you'll be okay. One thing I do want to say, because I, I, I'm guessing we're going to wrap up soon, right? One thing I want to say, people also took mortgage breaks. Oh yeah. Okay. And this is where you Also took- sorry if you if you're if you if you got mortgage approval does that mean that you don't have mortgage approval now uh, if you're They're still pushing them through for some people. Now okay. there's a I did a I did a Twitter poll not a Twitter poll actually I did a Instagram poll a while ago and we found that about 30% of people who had approval still managed to get it through but that means 70% of people weren't getting it through. They were right. approved and because of this they were told hold on let's see if you come off the wage subsidy. Oh, I think God. my question was specifically asked are you on the wage subsidy did you have mortgage approval and has it been removed from you? And 30% of people said yeah it has been I've managed to keep it and 70% of people have said no hand if you are in one of those people who had mortgage approval you're on COVID payment or wage subsidy and they're saying no that's only your bank saying no go to another bank other banks might treat you slightly different it's not a blanket no is the first okay. thing again a good broker I don't do mortgages right so a good mortgage broker would really help you there there are people who have existing mortgages who couldn't afford to pay them during the during the crisis and were, were struggling and the banks were very good about saying you know what we're going to give you three months off and then they come back a little while later and says we'll give you another three months off the unfortunate thing was a couple of politicians came out before it was announced saying it's a mortgage freeze and I was thinking this is great it's a freeze they're going to stop everything as if this three months or six months never existed that's not what happened your mortgage is three months longer or six months longer actually it's not in general what's happening is the term is remaining the same so when you go back you'd still accumulated up interest over the three months and six months and when you go back your payments are going to be higher and people were shocked people were to be honest with you I really really thought 2008, 9 and 10, society bailed out banks. And this was banks' opportunity to bail out society. And they didn't take it. And I was just, and I spoke to people in the banks. I spoke to people at senior levels and I said, lads, you really messed up here. Particularly when the ECB are printing free money, basically. Yes. Now, the banks haven't got access to that. The government does. But ultimately, ultimately, I really think they missed an opportunity there. They really could have turned around and said, you know what, we have your back here. But they didn't. And they now are charging interest on the six months or three months that you took as a break. And that's going to that's going to just put a bad taste in people's mouth. Now, give them credit where it's due. And I hate giving them credit, but give credit where they, they did make the process very easy. Like people were talking about less than a five minute phone call yeah, and okay. they were on a three month break. But, but like now they're going to pay for it, literally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, in order not to leave us on that note, you're doing another series of How to Be Good With Money, are you? Doing another series of How to Be Good With Money. This is series three. Yeah. Um, we're doing eight episodes. We will start filming in the next kind of couple of weeks anyway. It'll, we'll start filming, but we're looking for people. We want people to apply to be on the show. So if anyone hasn't seen the show before, we deal with eight different 
couples or individuals. So each series takes one person's story and I'll work with them to look at their current situation, look at the current financial situation and then come up with a plan as to how and what we're going to do next. People who get involved in the show will have a short term goal and a long term goal. So, so like it could be a wedding or holiday or yes. paying off their mortgage. Yeah. So it can be anything. And what we do is we do break it up between stump. And that's really important from a financial planning perspective, short term and long term, because there's no point in having these big long term goals you can you find very hard to reach because there's nothing to incentivize you to keep going if you don't have a short term one. So we'll have those type of goals. We always have a different walk of life. Like some people are really struggling. Some people are doing really well and we have both ends. And COVID, I think, is going to really divide that as well. COVID yeah. is going to say some people did much better financially throughout COVID. Like yeah, we've yeah. been kind of talking about the people who were hit hard financially. There's lots of people out there whose expenses went right down and their salaries remained the same and they weren't commuting and life was great for them for this period. Mm -hmm. So we want to get both elements of people. We want to get everybody. Uh, what we want and what I always, the team always tries to achieve is when you sit down to watch the show, you'll get something out of every show. But there should be at least one episode where you absolutely see you and that person. And if people want to apply, yep. how can they? So money at indiepix.ie. Spell indiepix. I-N-D-I-E-P-I-C-S dot I-E. So when you send an email to money at indiepix.ie, what will happen is, is you'll just get an, you don't even have to give a long story. You'll just get an application form bounced back at you straight away. You fill out the application form. We got over 200 applications last year. So what I would say is, is that do apply. You may not get picked, but do apply because the people who... The people who get through the show get so much out of it. Like everybody. I've gotten so much out of watching it. Yeah. Even. And, and the thing, the, this is the thing. It's one of those things where I have all the resources in the world to do whatever I need to do. Like we had a guy last year we brought to a smoking clinic to get him off the cigarettes. Like yeah. we really throw everything at it to make sure everybody, because you know what, if people don't succeed, it'd probably make me look crap. Wouldn't yeah. it? it would be no series <laughs> four then. But, but we're ready to go with series three. I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be different times. It's going to be very different, but we want everybody. Do you know what we never got before? And I don't know if you have any um, um, podcast listeners at that age bracket we've never had anyone over the age of 60 I'd love someone over the age of 60 so if you're listening to this there's your call to 60, action lads yeah if you're over 60 great if, you're, if your parents are over 60 or you know someone who's over 60 and you're listening to this get them to email money at indiepix.ie I'll tell my mum um, <laughs> and if people don't get picked where can they get more information from you yeah, you have a book I have a book you oh. actually have a bet Tell us your yeah, big so I, news. I, I found out today that uh, I have the personal finance top selling book of 2020 so far. Congratulations. And, and you deserve it because it's so accessible. That's the thing. Oh, mm. You make things so understandable. Pensions, all of this stuff mm. is just letters and numbers to me. And it's really intimidating. And you've it's a gift that you've given to like society be like make this stuff yeah. understandable and not patronise us for not understanding it and you know what I love and I, I've, I've really found during the pandemic that Twitter was the place I used to live and I still live there a little bit but Instagram it's awful. Instagram is brilliant for people oh this is what your book did for me yeah, this is what your TV series. Did Same with me. It's like, so it's great. It's just been fantastic to get it, and and it was really nice to hear that today. That that it's number one, and we're we're number one by quite a few copies. We've sold quite a few copies during a time two. when like I was meant to go to your book launch and it was cancelled, yeah. and you did you missed out on that, and like yeah. you just so you deserve it so much. And I, I we did have two days um, on the shelf, and then the shelf was gone. 
the, yeah. all the shops closed down. That and was it. And you still managed it. Fair still play. Managed it. And it's gone to reprint now. So there's a reprint being has been ordered. It'll be in fairly soon. Um, the book, the shop, the, sorry, the shops should still have stock of it, but there's a whole reprint. What's it called? Out. It's called How to Be Good with Money. Same as the TV show. Yes. So it's very simple. The branding and is brilliant. When this is, when this comes out, I'll tag you on Instagram. People can find you there, and yeah. uh, I'll be just sending people your way, so I don't have to answer their questions That's anymore. Great, yeah. Oh, McGee, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I hope that you enjoyed that episode. I certainly did. Uh, I do recommend that you pick up that book or watch the show How to Be Good With Money. I'm sure you'll get it on the player. And maybe it'd be really fun if you guys applied for the show. Then I could say when you make your millions that uh, I could ask for a cut of it. (laughs) And thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, I would really appreciate it if you would like it on wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, or rate it or actually you know the best way to help me is just to tell a friend about the podcast share it on your instagram just to get the word out there and get some support i do really appreciate it um our graphic design is by kahlo gara i was edited and produced by alan and headstuff network um and oh yeah our music is by only ruin thank you again This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.